Thank you, Stephen. Stephen Greer, as Mr. Parsons said, is a third-year student, and he's from Balmain, and thankfully would lead the service for me this evening. Um, if you, would you just turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Sorry, Matthew chapter 14. And before we read, we'll, we'll have a word of prayer. Our lovely, eternal Father in heaven, we are thankful that we can come this evening into your presence through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful Savior we have, and it's a blessing even to be here to, to speak well of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray you'll give me help this evening to speak of him. I pray for the Holy Spirit to come alongside now to bless the word of God to every heart, to the believer, but also to the unbeliever as well. And I pray you will come by your mercy and apply the words, the words of truth to every heart. I pray you'll bless and come and help us now as we seek to open the Word of God and to understand some of the truths found within it and bless them to our hearts. For we pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, and we'll begin our reading here at verse number 22. Matthew 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went on to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. And we'll finish your reading there at verse number 33. Quite often, I, I find, even personally, but... I'm sure you feel the same way yourselves. When you're reading over these, these words in the gospel, sometimes the familiarity 
the familiarity of all these things. Sometimes we just read a thing and move along. But tonight, I don't want us to do that. I want us to take time and to consider this here passage of Scripture that we've read. It's not just a children's story. This is truth. This actually happened. This was an historical event. It's not just that this is some kind of uh, made-up story that we can learn less from. This is a true story. And let that be something that we'll keep in mind as we go along, even if you think that you could put yourselves in the very shoes of the disciples. If I could give a title to this message, I would say it's Overcoming Doubts and Fears. And especially we're looking at it from Peter's perspective as we've read a little about Peter here this evening. So if you could even just think to yourselves if you were in Peter's shoes. And want to look down some of these verses. Um, this passage is this, this account here, this scene that we've read tonight is in three of the Gospels. It's in Matthew here, it's in Mark, and also in John. And it comes immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. And we'll have that recorded in all of the Gospels. And we read in John chapter 6, verse 14, in the feeding of the 5,000, that after they had all ate, they were all filled, that afterwards they said, this is the prophet that was to come. They acknowledged and they seen the Lord and they said, this is the prophet, this is the Messiah that was to come. And they were right. They were actually buying on the truth. But what they'd done with that truth is that then they applied it wrongly. What they wanted to do was they wanted to take Jesus by force and they wanted to make him king. And that is not why Jesus came to this earth to do. He didn't come here to be an earthly king to overthrow some the Romans. What they were looking for was a king to provide for them, as he had done just there and now in the feeding of the 5,000, but also to deliver them from the Roman authorities. But that's not what, we're, what he came to do, and that's not what we're looking for. Rather, he came as a savior to deliver his people from their sins. And the Bible tells us, John the Baptist tells us, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He knew why Jesus had come and he came and he gave the people a message that you're to look to the Lord Jesus as the saviour of the world to take away your sin, not, not as some kind of political leader on this earth for time, but as the great saviour of the world who takes away our sin. So that is a little of the mindset of everyone. And I believe that disciples had this same problem. For if we look at what we've read, if you look in there and follow along with me in verse number 22, you see, there's two words here I think is very interesting. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Those two words, straightway and constrained, is, again, as I was saying, we can slip over these words very quickly, but look at them straightway, immediately. There was some kind of urgency here, here on, the, on the part of the Savior, and he constrained his disciples. I was looking up that word, and it's kind of got the, it's got the idea of he almost forced them to get in. That's the idea. And it's as though the disciples didn't want to go anywhere. They wanted to stay there. They, this great event of the feeding of 5,000, these things was progressing. Jesus was going to be made king. And I think they had that thought in their mind as well. But Jesus constrained them to get in. And he knew what they needed this time. It wasn't that they would remain, but that they would go. And then he sent the multitudes away. So here we are. The disciples are in a boat. And I would say they're disappointed. And maybe confused at what's going on. But 
they're in, and they have this message from the Savior. And read on, verse 22, it says, And go before him. He told them to get into the ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So here we have a promise from God hidden within here. See, and to go before him. So they were to go first, and then Jesus would come after. And that was the promise he gave them right from the very start, that he would go come behind them. So we read on, verse 23, that he'd sent the multitudes away. He went into the mountain to pray, but the disciples, at verse 24, the ship was now in the midst of the sea. So we'll have the disciples there alone in the ship. And it's interesting to read through all of the other Gospels, um, the, the different wee bits of information we can take and bring together. So when they get into the boat, it was evening. Evening starts around 6 p.m. And it gets dark in around then. It was, there's probably light when they get into the boat. But John tells us that it comes to the point it was now dark. He tells us it was dark. And here we are now, the disciples. So come with me and think of all this here put together. They're in the boat. They're alone. It's now dark. We've now just read... They're in the ship in the middle of the sea. And verse 24, tossed with waves for the wind was contrary. The boat was being tossed about. So they're in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of a storm by themselves. And I've read on verse number 25, that first part. And in the fourth watch of the night. So we'll come now to the fourth watch of the night. And the fourth watch of the night ran from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So from 6 p.m. right the way through, about nine-ish nine hours later, maybe more, the disciples had been in the boat, in the sea, and in Mark it tells us they had been toiling. They were toiling all night. And I think, if, you, if we just imagine this scene, how terrifying that would be, that their boat was going up and down and they were paddling hard and they'd been doing it for nine hours, I would say they were tired and scared. I would say they were afraid. But then we'll have another part. If you look at me, verse 25, Jesus went on to them walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. These men were terrified. They were not putting their faith in Jesus Christ. What I was saying to the start, Christ had given the promise, I'm going to come after. He didn't tell them when, but he told them that he would come. And as they were coming, and they seen this figure coming across the water, and again, put ourselves in their shoes. If we were in a boat, and we seen a figure coming towards us, what would we think? Because you wouldn't naturally think to yourselves, you know, that's, that's a man walking on the water. Because we all are fully aware that men can't walk on water. So what, what, what conclusion would you come to? These men said, it's a spirit. Or it's, a, it's not the idea of like a, the ghost. It was more, it was the idea of like a, maybe a departed spirit, an evil spirit coming to them. So layer upon layer upon layer, they have come to the point they are just petrified and they are just crying out for fear. Grown men crying out for fear. And that's just like us many times. We have many fears. 
We have many troubles and trials in this life. We have many storms. I don't know what your troubles and trials are. I don't know what your storms are. But you will know yourself. There's things that you have to go through. And maybe you feel alone. Maybe in your difficulty, you're looking for the Savior and you can't find him. And maybe you think, has God left me? I think this maybe is a little what the disciples were thinking here. That they were afraid of everything around them. But what wonderful thing it is that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't leave us in our troubles and trials and fears. He's always there with us. And that verse there, verse 23, he was in the mountain praying. And I believe he was praying for his disciples. Read of another part in Mark. It tells us there, Mark 6, that he saw them. This is the Almighty Savior. And even though it was dark, even though they were in the middle of the sea and he was in the mountain, he saw them. And he saw them toiling. He saw the difficulties that they were going through. And he came to them. And we need, in times of our fears, to rest upon the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it tells us in Psalm 56, verse 3, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid... I will trust in thee. And we have many fears and we all fear. But here the psalmist says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And although Peter had his fears that we've just looked at, now we'll see a little bit of the faith that Peter had. And our faith always comes from the word of God. That's where we draw our assurance from. And our faith from. It's the word of God. And that's why in times of difficulties we must not set the Bible aside. We must search the scriptures. And rest upon the promises of the Savior. And the Savior always comes at the right time. And always with the right words. Verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them saying. Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. That's a startling, startling words to say to men that I've just described in the middle of a storm, alone and scared, to be of good cheer. Be happy. The Savior tells us to be happy, to not be afraid. And how can this be? How are we in our troubles and trials to be happy. Well, I think the secret lies there in the middle of that, of what the Savior said. It is I. It is I. The Savior was there. The Savior was right there with them. And he knew all about them. The Savior prays for us, as we have seen, as we saw, and he also comes And he's always promises and assures us. He's right there beside us. Lo, I am with you. Always. Things can be hard. And I'm not trying to make little of that. And we can see that even from the pastors. This was not an easy situation. And I think this is why it's such a striking scene is given to us here. To show us the difficulties that these men were in. The difficulties that Peter was in. But his assurance is, I am with you. 
right beside you. That's the assurance that we all need in our times of troubles as believers, that we know as we have our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that he's with us. He's low, I am with you always. It is I. That's the encouragement we have from the word of God. But that phrase is also interesting because another way that can be translated it is I am. And in many places it is translated that way. Just the phrase I am. And the Savior, the master of the sea, the creator of the sea, had come to the disciples. The great I am of the scriptures had come. The Jehovah God of heaven, the almighty God of heaven, had come to the disciples. And who more do we need? Who else do we need? It wasn't a better boat that they needed. But what, who, what better could they have at this time but the great I am? That is the comfort to God's people. That we have the almighty God of heaven right by our side. Right when we need him. And the command is, don't be afraid. We don't need to be afraid because God is with us. And here we see a difference in Peter. Peter is now different. Verse number 28. And Peter answered him and said... Lord, if it be thy, bid me come on, come on to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, and we'll stop there. Put yourself in Peter's shoes here again. He was terrified. The waves were up and down, and they were being tossed. And now before he was afraid, after the promise of God is given to him, after this word of comfort is given to him, he's a changed man. He now, instead of his fear, he has faith. He has put his faith in the great I am. For who in their right mind would get out of a boat in the middle of the sea, in the middle of a storm? I wouldn't. Surely they were clinging on for life. They were rowing all night. They couldn't get anywhere. And now he's saying, I want to get out of the boat. I want to come to you. And before what brought him fear, now is his pathway to the Savior. It's shocking, really. And I was saying that to faith and way up the road. How shocking is this that you would get out of a boat. He, he can't walk. Peter has no skill at walking on water. He's no better walking on water than I am. Man can't walk on water. But we see here that he, he goes at the bidding of the Savior. For verse 29 says, And he said, Come. That is when he came. He didn't come a moment before. He came when he was commanded to come. And Peter got out of the ship and he walked on the water. That is great faith. That is great faith. To get out of the boat and then walked. He, he didn't have his faith misplaced because he walked. If he had have sank, we knew he, his faith was misplaced. But he didn't. It says he walked. It's clear. The passage is clear here. It says he walked on the water. 
to go to Jesus. And it's to go to Jesus. He had his eyes on the Savior. Before his sight, his, he had the, the eye of sight. The natural eye was looking at surrounding, seeing how difficult the situation was. His sight had now changed because it was a sight of faith he has. His eyes were changed. And he was looking to the Savior. That's where his eyes were fixed. He got out of the boat and he walked to the Savior. And that is the only way that we can find strength in our fears and in our doubts. Is when we, no matter ignoring the situations around us, even though there's a storm, even though there's stuff going on all around about us, we must keep our eyes fixed on the Savior. That's what's important. For there's many troubles and trials when we look to ourselves, even as a church, in our own safety. Is there a safety here in this church that we just, you know, announce the meeting for Sunday and hope people come through the door? And that's as far as we go. We're maybe afraid to go out, to get out of the boat and to go seek others. Maybe to go into this community. And as a church, if we don't have our eyes toward the Savior as we don't, uh, and we don't get out of our place of safety, there will never be anything done for God. We must get out of our boat and go to the Savior. We cannot remain. We cannot just stay in our place of safety because we have the command of God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And yes, that means preaching from this pulpit, but it also means every day. Even though you might be afraid to speak of someone of the Savior, you're to go to them and do what Christ commands. Has Christ got a command for you today? Has Christ got something for you to do today? Don't stay in your place of safety. If it means leaving and feeling uncomfortable and going out, do that. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him dearest joy would fade. Anywhere with Jesus I am not afraid. And we see that Peter wasn't afraid because he had his eyes on the Saviour. And even though that meant doing something that was really ridiculous. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not afraid. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. The Savior endured the cross, but then we are to be like him. Even though there's difficulties and trials, we're to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And before we move on here, there is an application, a clear application to unbelievers here today. Are you looking to the Savior? You're maybe afraid of a friend. You know the gospel. The gospel has been shared with you. You know there's only one way of salvation and the only way to have your sins forgiven is to look 
to Jesus Christ for salvation. It's not looking at anyone, not looking to the church. It's not looking to your attendance here, or I don't know who you, your situations or who you are. But if you do not look to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, there is no salvation for you. You must go to him. The Savior calls. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. There is no other way of salvation. If you have not your eyes towards the Savior to take away your sins, you will remain in your sins. And then you have all the reason to be afraid. The wrath of God is a terrifying thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Turn from your sins tonight. Turn to Jesus Christ and look to him for salvation. But the last thing I want to look with you at here tonight is Peter's doubts. And sadly, Peter had doubts here. We have his fears and then his fears had went away because he had his eyes in faith toward the Savior. But now he has fears amidst his faith. Because as we go on, as we look on here in verse 30. Verse 30, it says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And that's clearly what we've been looking at. He had his eyes toward the Savior. He was making his way on the water, but he looked away. And he started to see the waves. Them waves that were still going up and down. He looked at them. He looked at again at his circumstances. Instead of keeping his eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, it says that he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid. His fears come back. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And you might think to yourself here tonight, well, maybe he should have stayed in the boat. The rest of the disciples were still in the boat. They were all right. Maybe we should just stay here and, and just try and go through our Christian life and we'll trust in God, but we'll stay safe. But I don't think that's the message here today. I don't think that's what this is telling us here. He did sink. He began to sink. And there's where I believe the encouragement is. Verse 30. And beginning to sink. Again, we have to be careful to remember to look at the words, not just to read over them and not think about them. Beginning to sink. And what would that mean to you? Does that mean that he immediately sank? Or he just, there was no, he looked at the waves and he just went down, straight down. But no, obviously not. Beginning to sink. And I grew up in the Moorn area around the harbours and I love to just go up to the harbour and I get my wetsuit on and just jump into the water for the day's crack. But I never began to sink. I always just went to the water and was in over my head before you would know it. You don't begin to sink. You just sink. But not Peter here. Verse number 30, And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand 
and caught him. He caught him. I'm glad it doesn't say that Peter immediately sank while the Savior was trying to save him. It doesn't say that. It says why he was beginning to sink. The Savior immediately saved him. And that's the encouragement to everyone here, is that when we put our faith in the Savior, we get out of the boat, so to speak, and we do what God has commanded us to do. Let's not be afraid of being afraid. Let's not be afraid of losing faith, because although we all lose faith, sadly, faith is, doubt is a sin against a holy God. He had no reason to doubt. He had already worked. He knew that God, the Savior, was holding him up because he had his faith in him. He had no reason to doubt, but he did doubt. And we all do the same. Every one of us who seeks to live a life for God, we all feel, we all sin, and we all have our doubts. But don't let that discourage you because the Savior, it says he's beginning to sink. The Savior was holding him up. Yes, he was sinking down, but he was holding him from being lost in the sea. He gave him that. He gave Peter the opportunity to cry to him. And again, we, Peter's up and down here. He's like the waves. He has fears and he's faith and he's fears. And he, now he's faith again because he cried to the only one he knew could save him. Now, when you're crying out for help, you're crying to the Savior. He's now again looking to the Savior. He says, Lord, save me. And immediately he stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? He had no reason to doubt. The Savior challenged him for his, his, his doubts. O thou of little faith. The little faith is not referring to him getting out of the boat. The little faith is referring to him that he did not have continued to have faith in the Savior. And here, Peter now is in a new position. So he was in the boat. Then he was on his pathway to the Savior. But for our encouragement, if we have our doubts, yet when we cry to the Lord... When we cry to the Lord in faith, it tells us that the Savior will immediately come to our aid. He will immediately help us. And where was Peter now? Where would you rather be in this situation? Where would, would you rather be still in the boat where the rest of the disciples were still in the storm, still being tossed by the waves, or would you rather be safe in the arms of Jesus? Because that's where Peter was. Because Saviour had grabbed them by the hand and now he was safe in the arms of Jesus. So even though he had his doubts, yet stepping out, going at the command of God, and even though he did doubt, he was now even safer than any of the disciples were at this time. He was right with the Saviour. And fellow believer, Christian here today, 
don't be afraid to go out for God. Because even though we will slip up and fail, yet if we're in the center of God's will and we're looking to him, we have our eyes fixed on him, that's the safest place to be. That's the best place to be. Psalm 37, 24. Though he fall, yet he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And we will all fall, but we'll not be utterly cast down. He'll not cast us off because he holds us in his hand. And now, as we read on, um, verse 32, And when they had come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. The other disciples didn't get the same experiences as Peter had. Peter had walked in water. And it doesn't say anywhere else. Anybody else has walked in water. Peter exclusively, it seems, has, has this experience with the Savior. So this, this other disciples have missed out here. But there's still a blessing for us all. Of a truth, they are the Son of God. As we was saying in the introduction, they had the mindset all modelled up about the Saviour, who he was and what he had came to do. But now they have a clearer sight of who Jesus is. Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. They now see him like they have never seen him before. It tells us in Mark 6, 51 and 52 that they did not consider the miracle of the loaves. They didn't even, their heart, it says their hearts were hardened. That great experience at the feeding of the 5,000, their hearts was hardened. They didn't even consider it. They didn't see the Savior as the Son of God in the loaves. But she'd have thought that's a great experience. That's far better than being stuck in a boat for nine hours, tired, alone, scared in the dark, not knowing where the Savior is. But not so, because they didn't consider the miracle of the loaves. That's not what made them see the Lord Jesus for who he was. This trouble, this trial, that's when they seen the Savior for who he was. Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And we think of Job in his trials. Before all, before everything that happened to Job, all those catastrophes that happened to him, those troubles and trials that he had, he said, I had heard of thee with the hearing of the ear. That's what his experience was before his troubles and trials. But at the end of the, ch- the book, it says, But now mine eye seeth thee. Job had a hard time. But afterwards he praised God. And said, I before had heard you with the hearing of the ear, but he had a clear he had a clear sight now. Now mine eye seeth thee. And that is the great blessing. The Savior knows exactly what we need, when we need, and how we need it. He is the great all knowing God. He knows exactly what we need. Take encouragement. If you're going through a hard time, or if you will go through a hard time, trust in God. Keep your eyes on the Savior. And before I finish up here today. I want to have a word for the unconverted again. What a word there is here for you today. Could we look back at verse number 30? Verse 30 here. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Tells us, I was sinking deep in sin. 
never to rise no more. And that might be you. I don't know who's here out of Christ. But if you're out of Christ here today, tonight, you're sinking in sin. The Bible tells us, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And that time will come when you will sink to rise no more. Hell is a reality. Your sin is an offense to a holy God. We are all sins. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You deserve the punishment that you will receive if you're not like Peter here. He was sinking, but he cried, saying, it's not we have to have certain words to come before God, but we must cry to him for salvation. Lord, save me. That's it. The Savior says, repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is held out to you this evening. The Savior, as I've already pointed out, has already told us to come. He wants us to come to him for salvation. But will you remain in your sin tonight? Will you go out of this place still sinking? This is a reality. Like Peter, he was sinking down and down. And will you say, I'm happy in my sin, I'm happy to sink? Well then, you'll rise no more if you sink and are lost at the last. Hell is what awaits you this evening. But we have a gospel. We have a wonderful gospel of salvation we don't need to perish but cry out as Peter done in this passage Lord save me save me from my sin save me from judgment to come and we have this promise verse 31 and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him when you cry out for mercy when you cry out for salvation it won't, he will not say, well, sure, we'll think about that wee minute and we'll come back to you. Or he'll not just say, well, you're too wicked. No, that's not the gospel we bring. We bring a free gospel. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved immediately. He will stretch his hand out and catch you as a brand from the burning and save you. But he's asked you to come. And will you come this evening? Will you remain your sin? Or will you come to the only Savior, Jesus Christ? And that is the message that we bring tonight. We've no other Savior to bring to you. But now is the time. We've been, we're told, and Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't leave it too late. Don't leave it. Let you say, maybe next week. Maybe when I'm older. Because you don't know when you will sink to rise no more. But when you call out to the Lord Jesus Christ, love will lift us from our sin and will take us by the hand and will save us immediately. But we must come now. So I'd encourage you this evening. I plead with you this evening. Do not stay in your sin for a moment longer, but come to the Savior who is the only one who can take away your sin and come tonight.